altruistic suicide, protest suicide, a military suicide, dyadic suicide. Coming up on Philosophy Talk, a discussion of suicide with our guest, Michael Cholby. If one believes that there is life after death, then calling one's behavior suicide may in some ways be a misnomer. Is suicide ever rational? I would agree that, that one can rationally choose for one's life to be shorter rather than longer, and that the longer life is, is obviously not necessarily the better life. People who commit suicide don't want to die for the sake of dying. Get too old to lose it. Too young to choose it. And the clock waits so patiently on your song. Oh no, 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 you're a rock and roll suicide. Coming up on Philosophy Talk after the news. Welcome to Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Except your intelligence. I'm John Perry. And I'm Ken Taylor. We're coming to you from the studios of 91.7 KALW Local Innovative Public Radio for San Francisco. Continuing conversations that begin at Philosopher's Corner on the Stanford campus. And they migrate from there to the air via the signal of this lovely station and our ever-growing number of affiliates, and from the air to the internet via our blog, the blog.philosophytalk.org. And now, there's a podcast of Philosophy Talk available. You can listen to us anytime, anywhere. So, Ken, today our topic is suicide, and I think we better start with by doing the philosopher's thing. Let's kind of say, what can we define suicide? Is suicide just killing yourself, or is it only some cases of killing yourself? Well, it clearly can't be all cases of killing yourself. Suppose I'm playing a game, and uh, I think I have blanks in the gun, and I put it to my head, and it turns out my wife or somebody switched it to real bullets, and I pull the trigger, and boom, I killed myself, but... That's accidentally killing myself. Accidentally killing yourself. It's, it, it, maybe it's accidental suicide, but at any rate, it's not a paradigm case of suicide. A paradigm case of suicide, I think, is one where a person has decided that their life is not worth living. It's too painful. They're depressed. Maybe they're heavily in debt. They don't see any other way out. That's a common phrase. But there are other cases. How about the soldier who throws himself on a grenade? Is that it's not because he doesn't find life worth living. It's well, it's self-sacrifice. Why do, do we call that suicide? Well, we typically don't. We think of it as just what you said, self-sacrifice, and we don't think of it as, as suicide. But on the other hand, a parallel case we do call suicide. Think of the uh, Middle Eastern suicide bomber who walks in. He wants to kill a bunch of soldiers or policemen or whatever, and the only way in is to... You know, get in there and sacrifice themselves, but we call that a suicide bomber. We don't call it a self-sacrificing bomber. Well, there's this distinction that's often made between the intended consequences of your act and the foreseen but unintended consequences. So you might say that when the soldier throws himself on the grenade, he intends to, to, to save his comrades from the effects of the grenade. He foresees that it's going to cost him his life, but if he could do it in a way that didn't require that, he would. So in that sense, it's not intended. I suppose the same is true of the suicide bomber. If yeah. they could walk in the restaurant and come out alive, they would. They just can't figure out how to do it. So maybe we should call the suicide bomber the self-sacrificing bomber. But, you know, that makes it sound hero heroic, and calling it suicidal makes it sound kind of more morally problematic. But, you know, to extend your line of reasoning, I mean, just think about why... You know, your paradigm case of suicide. What are people typically aiming at? What's their, What's the, uh, the intended outcome? 
that's not really to end their lives, is it? It's mostly to end the pain and the suffering, and they can't see any other way. If, they, if you could say, look, I can keep your life but end the pain and the suffering, I think most people would choose uh, to keep the life and end the pain and the suffering. So that suggests that even the paradigm case is a little hard if, if you have to directly intend to end your life to commit And you suicide. wonder how many people are kind of confused and think that by committing suicide they're going to get rid of the pain in a sense that they're not going to because they're not going to be around to not have the pain. Well, there's that, too. You know what? To help us uh, shed some light on this, our roving philosophical reporter, Polly Stryker, found some experts on the subject of suicide. She files this report. Every culture knows suicide, from Cleopatra to Kurt Cobain. Most people don't talk about it, but maybe they should. Each year, there are almost twice as many suicides in the U.S. as there are homicides. Traditionally, our Western culture views suicide with a great deal of stigma, shame, and denial. Eve Meyer is executive director of San Francisco Suicide Prevention. Suicide has been defined currently as something related with mental illness. In fact, suicide is related to pain, and the pain is culturally defined. The pain could be economic, it could be hunger. Someone has to kill themselves in order for the family to survive. The pain could be shame in a culture that is shame-based, and it's well understood that someone is required to kill themselves in order to rescue the honor of a family. The pain could be political. It could be required by the political realities of a situation. The pain could be physical. It could be in a society where the health care structure does not exist. So who's most likely to commit suicide? In the United States, there are striking differences in how suicide occurs by gender and by age. For example, of the 30,000 people every year who die by suicide, three-quarters are men, primarily older men, primarily European-American men. And yet, for every death by suicide, there are also 20 people who make a suicide attempt but don't die. Certain places attract suicides. The Empire State Building, the Eiffel Tower. I spoke with Ken Baldwin, a teacher in Northern California, about his 1985 suicide attempt off the Golden Gate Bridge. Well, I woke up that morning and I, I pretty much made a, a point of, of knowing that I was going to die that day, that I was going to jump. I just wanted people to leave me alone. I wanted to be gone. That morning, I understood that this was going to be my last day on Earth. And so I told my wife goodbye, and I drove to San Francisco. And I looked at the bridge, and it, it looked nice, and I started getting a little nervous because I understood the enormity of killing myself. So then I, I, I walked um, approximately to the middle, and so I counted to 10, and I couldn't do it. And so uh, I counted to 10 again, and then I vaulted over. The last thing I saw was my hands leaving the, the bridge, and I said, this is wrong. As I was falling 
down, I uh, started thinking about the people that I was going to miss, uh, my daughter, my wife, my family, and that really upset me. I, I, I really felt like I did them a, a real disservice. And then I looked down and the water was coming up at me, and, and that's the last thing I know. I woke up um, in the water and I was swimming, and I was saying, oh my God, please save me, somebody please save me. Ever since my hands left the bridge, I wanted to live. And then the next thing I know, the, the Coast Guard pulled me up and out of the water, and they were asking me, do you know who you are? Do you know what you did? Do you know who your wife is? Do you know your address? And all that. I was in the water about seven minutes, which is pretty incredible, actually, because, you know, hypothermia, shock, all of that stuff could have killed me. So I was lucky. You know, you roll the dice, and uh, sometimes they come up good. I've lived for 20 years after I decided I wanted to die, and those 20 years have been pretty magnificent. For Philosophy Talk, I'm Polly Stryker. Want to hear more? You can find the complete episode on iTunes Music, or for unlimited listening, become a subscriber at philosophytalk.org.